0: Warning. Warning. warning, warning, warning. Trigger, Trigger alert.
1: alert. She about to say some real shit.
0: Hey, Brad. Hey kid. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. Enjoying this nice change of weather. Oh yeah.
2: It's essential. I was ready.
0: I know. Hot summer. And once you get the kids in school, like I'm ready for fall activities. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to Italy in a few weeks,
2: dude. Where? Roma. Oh, really?
0: Oh, I,
2: I've only been to Rome once. I loved it. And do you know that that's where Kath and I were gonna? That was where I, we were gonna go on our honeymoon, and we just never really had our honeymoon. Our honeymoon kind of got split up into a couple different things.
0: Come with me. You guys can stay in my room. I
2: want to go to Rome. <laughs> I really love—I went to Rome years and years ago when, a, like, an old girlfriend was over there in school, and it was fucking awesome.
0: So I've been I've been to Rome a couple of times. I was in Rome with my sister when I was in my early 20s, and I think she was, like, in her late teens. And we were first on a family trip with my parents. We were, like, in Sicily, and then we left them to go to, like, Rome and Florence or something. On your own? On our own, nice. right? And— everywhere every store we went in they would hear us like talking or cackling or something and they would like take the price and change it to a more expensive price no like, right way. in front of us like i'd be like oh let me see that bag and they'd be like oh just one second and they'd like I feel like these dumb bitch Americans like we totally like take all their money and i was like did you just see him do that And I feel like it was like Uh, that was like that in a restaurant. They had like a night fee or like I was like, what? Like that sucks. No, your taxi meter says this, and they're like, no, 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 there's another fee. I'm like, (laughs) did you guys have like a meeting before the Gold Sisters like arrived or something? Like I just I felt like everyone was like on the on the come up, dude. So
2: I went to we were in Thailand this summer too, and it was there was it was the opposite. So like halfway through our trip in Thailand, I was reading about, about like, you know, just like the general, the culture stuff. And it was like in Thailand, it's, it's, um, expected that you will, uh, that you will like haggle for the price. It's like a, it's like part Part of the the culture. Right. Right. And like, we hadn't done that at all because everything was so fucking cheap. Right. But I realized that like the whole time we were there. Like people were, they would do it. They like were like go, disappointed. No, no. We'd go to a guy be like, okay, like we got four people. We need it, you know, for a boat ride. And I go, it's a hundred baht each, right? And, and the guy be like, yeah, a hundred baht. And then he'd go, and then they'd be like two children. And like, yeah. And he's like, okay, children are 50 baht. <laughs> like they would cut the price everywhere we went. Ah. I'd be like, so this is 500 baht, right? Yeah, it's five hundred baht. Actually, four hundred baht.
0: Paid four hundred. Like, what the
2: fuck? Because we You're like how about three hundred? We weren't haggling,
0: so they're like haggling for us. See, you guys need me on your honeymoon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're, co- we're coming with you. I mean, do you have a big room?
0: Yeah, I mean, I probably not. It's some like I'm
2: leaving the kids. It's graffiti. It's like a
0: graffiti and like sneaker fest. I'm You're doub- gonna go I tag
2: the Coliseum?
0: Totally. I'm Coming back with like twenty cats. <laughs> And then I also remember, like, just, like, all these cat colonies at, uh, the Coliseum. Like, it was just, like, insane amounts of, like, feral cats. Right, And they were, like, friendly and sweet, and I was like, did you guys know that lions used to fight here? Yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. and We're their descendants. They were like, yeah, we're- They haven't
2: been feeding us, and we- We're fucking waiting, okay?
0: (laughs) We're waiting for our leader to come.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um... So wait, how long are you gonna be there?
0: Four days. Uh, right.
2: Is that the only you're flying straight over and flying back?
0: I'm flying straight over and I'm flying back. Right. I told them I can't get on a ladder when I paint. Right. I need to be on ground level. <laughs> Don't give Maybe me anything those, that's low. You an Nothing apple low. Picker. Totally. I'm gonna
2: need an apple picker.
0: Totally. <laughs> um or you know, twenty five assistants. So you're gonna do a piece? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do some shit. Nice. It'll be fun. Um, but before I should I go, probably
2: come with you as an assistant.
0: Totally, you need to. Yeah, we could. There's podcasts to do. I'm gonna work it out. Um, the Amo Bradley. <laughs> um, no, I fucking love Italy, and also, I don't think there's anywhere I've been in Italy that I've ever had a bad meal. Like,
2: oh uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just. Yeah, it's expected.
0: It's all about the manja.
2: I remember loving the table wine too. Every table Everything that you sit down so at delicious. there's a carafe of red wine, just like a bottle of water. Right. Yeah. And that's it was how, good. It was always good. The table wine was good.
0: That's how they do it over there. Hell yeah. Bring um it on. Yeah, you know, in France they send kids to school with like thermoses full of wine. No way. <laughs> that's not true. I fucking need to do that. Like <laughs> Listen, I don't want your teacher calling me. Drink this at lunchtime. <laughs>
2: yeah, sure. No,
0: I cannot. I also, cannot the say French that. put
2: their children on birth control at age fourteen. Just Do seeing, they really? No. Yes. No, I'm just making up more lies to go with your lies.
0: Well, I'm going to tell uh, something else weird about like French people is that like domestic violence is really like out of control in France. Oh, really? It's like I didn't know that ridiculous about how many like men, you know, beat their beat their wives. It's like a huge thing. Oh, so fucking! I
2: do know that they fucking smoke their asses off, dude. Did. When I was over there, it was like a joke. They smoke so much.
0: They love their cigarettes. <laughs> cigarettes are so delicious, but you know, <laughs> I feel them. I don't smoke. Um, and I certainly shall not smoke anymore because it is very bad for bone health.
2: But it was fun when it was good for it. It was you. fun when
0: it lasted, <laughs> right. And um, you know, my skin and hair look good because of it. <laughs> <laughs> the little tiny wrinkles I have around my lips. Uh. <laughs> <It> looks great. <laughs> Thank you, Siggy's. <laughs> Do you know that um I weirdly went back to smoking after I stopped, like, breastfeeding. Uh, just because
2: you could? It's like, what else can I do no, now was, that I don't have to breastfeed? It was, Bring that heroin. It
0: was almost <laughs> like I was in seventh grade or something, and it was like, oh, this is what adults do. They smoke cigarettes. <laughs> I'm going to feel like an adult. And I, like, had, like, I would smoke, like, a cigarette here or there. Right. And um, after just not smoking for, like, 15 years and being like, I fucking don't smoke cigarettes. Ew, ew, ew. And then it became this thing. And of course, I quit smoking. I would never smoke another cigarette now. Now that I'm a mother, and <laughs> setting uh, an example, right? I need to set an example. I also have um, bone injuries that need to heal. No more smoking, right? No nicotine, unless I go to France. <laughs> but I'm not.
2: I'm going to Italy. <laughs> when is the last time you were in Rome?
0: A, a long time okay. ago. A long time ago. Well, let
2: us know how it goes. I will. I I'm will. envious.
0: Though. I will. I, I'm gonna. I'm going to have your honeymoon for you. Thank so you. Don't. Thank I, will you. Back. <laughs> I will report back. I will report back. Don't you worry. I'm gonna have the best time. <laughs> um, also, my husband and child are staying home, so it. Is on, motherfuckers, okay? Meet me in the Rome. Isn't that a movie? Meet me there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online
2: access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a
0: board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare dot com slash weight loss. That's plushcare dot com slash weight loss. Plushcare dot com slash weight loss. So today's guest is a very interesting, interesting woman. Yeah, she's a journalist. She's also somebody who's like I believe a real gatekeeper for the, for the arts, and more in particular for graffiti and really kind of not street art. She's really like focuses on like real raw graffiti in her career as, um, a book publisher and a, a publicist.
2: Right.
0: Um, now of course she writes about everyone in town that's hot and puts her like remarkable spin on everything, but she's also a great thinking mind in, in, Oh
2: absolutely. Um,
0: and um someone who you know I was lucky enough to work with, someone I call a friend and my my very own book publisher <laughs> miss Sarah Rosen um enough about all the intros. Let's just get into the
2: let's get into the meat
0: into yes, <laughs> into the brajol <laughs> of the podcast. ciao. <laughs> All right, um, so today, we are interviewing a very interesting woman, a woman who's done many things in publishing, both as a publisher, publicist, and now as a journalist. Please welcome Sarah Rosen. Hello, Thank you for having <laughs> me, darling. So happy to be here so Sarah. Let's talk about your idea of what's going on in journalism versus what was going on 10 years ago when there seemed to be
1: less clickbait and more substance. No, there never was substance. It's (laughs)
0: always a spin, right? It's always like a publicity spin.
1: I think that you'll find if you look, you know, history is a great filter. So what remains is substance. Most of that fad stuff just washes away. But that really is – people act like fake news is brand new when it's always been here. And if you ever investigate, you'll find that – the media is basically an arm of the oligarchy and it is a propaganda machine and that corporations are republican by nature Indeed. and that the only places you're really going to find this fourth estate idealistic world are independent publishing because they answer to themselves they don't have they're not beholden and they tend to go out of business
0: uh, there there are some still kind of around a few but on girls at bust magazine yes keeping it keeping right. it real um, and, of course, they're not um, looked at by advertisers with the same sort of fervor as as the uh, junk mags or whatever.
1: Well, also because the thing is, again, it's a corporate enterprise. You know, we have this fantasy that the First Amendment and the freedom of the press is some – religious, you know, commandment, and that, you know, there's a, I think it's A.J. Liebling who said, freedom of the press is only free to the man who owns the press.
0: Indeed. So what is the kind of stuff that you find interesting to write about in this sort of um, world of corporatizing
1: editorial? I mean, I don't really work for any of those people, so it's— You don't, right? I filter And, and, it and that's out. why, I mean, I really, like, respect— It's not that I wouldn't. It's just that I don't—I'm not at a place where I'm interested in engaging with that. It comes into so you, my space. you were focusing on, on the arts. Right, yeah, Pre- predominantly.
0: And what got you into
1: the, your first, like, publishing job? The Village Voice, 1997 internship. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah, go way back. Actually, 96. Um, So I was at NYU studying journalism because I basically was like, I don't really want to work. Like, I just want to hang out and do drugs and party. That's where I was in my life. Oh, I'm still there.
0: (laughs) Girl, girl, hello. And my parents were like,
1: you know. They're like, no, that's not a good idea. No, they were like, (laughs) cover story. Get an education. And if you, you know, if you chart your resume, your personal life is nobody's business. But I mean, including including ex- theirs.
0: you did exceedingly well in college. I was on your Wikipedia this oh, morning. I, yes. I stunted. A Yeah, <laughs> I know. Five
1: Beta <laughs> Kappa. Yeah, And there we that's go. where yes. all my honors end.
0: Okay, so wait. So mm-hmm. you were like, I'm top bitch. I don't want to work. Yeah. I'm going to The Voice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well said. Well, uh, you know, so basically I was in school and they were like, you need to do an internship. And I was like, I need to pay you to work for somebody for free. And they're like, yes. And I was like, I'm so glad I am not like on this wave of mortgaging my future and taking it because this whole right. thing is – You know, we could talk about colleges, but that's a whole scam in my mind. Another thing that I'm like, people are mortgaging their future. Fortunately, I wasn't in a position where I had to be concerned about any of that. So I was like, okay, what, what should I do? And they're like, oh, we have like an internship at the Village Voice. And I was like, word, okay. Like, that shit was so fly. And they were, I was like, okay, I want to do arts. And they were like, well, Vincent that he needs someone to open his mail. <laughs> so that was basically. He grabbed a butter knife and
0: you jumped in. Girl.
1: <laughs> it was wonderful. And basically, they had a smoking room, and I used to hang out in the smoking room. And that's how I met people like Frank Owen, who was covering the Michael Alec. He was the one who exposed Michael Alec murder. Wow. Just as he was exposing it. And I was like, my friends know your friends. So he's like, hey, why don't you come with me to. I'm meeting Peter Gation. Why don't you come with me to a meeting with him? And I went with him to the top of the tunnel. I didn't know there was a top of the tunnel. You're like, I got 20 bucks. What can I get? (laughs) Girl, I sat there. They played Cat and Mouse, and I just sat there like, "Oh, I fucking love this shit." So you know, I was I was writing nightclub reviews. Okay, I that's met so I met the, the listings editor. She gave me an expense account to write club reviews.
0: Amazing.
1: And I was like, "I'm doing this shit anyway." Paid to party, and then yes, right. I wrote like a report. few art reviews, and then basically that was just like a six month internship, and then I bounced and. Uh, what did I do after that? Then I basically ended up at Rizzoli because okay. I was like, okay, I really actually have to get a job. I went in, I interviewed for the position of assistant to the architecture editor. We ran lines from Sunset Boulevard. And then I got. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> this, that was
1: our interview. We were like, we were like this. This was us in the room, just like this. Kiki, we were like carrying on. A month later, I get a call from the head of sales and marketing. Uh, David Morton gave me your number. He was the architecture editor. I'm looking for an assistant. I was like, yo, so you're saying I didn't get that job? <laughs> you're like, I'm in the glam lounge. Like, I don't <laughs> I was like, oh, sales and marketing. Like, marketing. What the fuck is that? I didn't know shit about shit. I was like, yo, I studied art history, journalism. I Like, I don't know anything. But I go in to meet with this dude. He's giving me a used car salesman vibe. And I was like, ooh, oh. But... Then he said the words that changed my life. He said, people think that publishing is about making books, but it's not. It's about the parties. And my ass was like, parties? <laughs> <laughs> I was done. I was in there. And that's basically, I was at Rizzoli for a year. I like saw the Powerhouse catalog. I was like, yo, if I could afford to buy art books, I would buy these, but I can't afford them because I work in publishing. So I just was like, whatever. And one day, you know, mutual – They knew somebody, knew somebody. They were looking, Powerhouse was looking for someone because they were like, yo, we're going to go to the London Book Fair and we need someone in the office, so maybe we should hire someone. So I kind of came in. They they advertised it as a publicist, but I was like doing accounting and faxes. You did everything at Powerhouse, and that's where I I met you Mm -hmm.
0: because I believe it was you who asked me to help do press on Peter Sutherland's- Autograph book.
1: Oh, hell yeah. Did we meet at the old office or do we meet at the gallery? We met on Varick Street. But was it upstairs or was it in the gallery? Because did you see that ugly, creepy little office? Because we moved. Like, I don't think I ever saw yeah, that was, office. It probably was in
0: the gallery and I had yeah. to go and meet, like, yeah, we, somebody that from was the it. New York
1: Times. Girl, because I remember because Peter was like, I was like, okay, so Peter, I want to meet these people. He's like, okay, well, I mean, who do you want to meet? And I was like, I want to meet Ka. So... <laughs> As you were yeah, and I remember when I met you too because I was like, huh, I was like, oh my god, I'm like such a fan. Yeah, like she has
0: an outfit on. <laughs> she, was. She, she, was, she was. I, I got it dressed.
1: <laughs> I was like, god, today.
0: <laughs> no, I had an outfit on, which well, is well, we very, must have. Very, yes, I, we
1: both had. Yeah, outfits we were on. ready for that.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So, was that where you were sort of? Became this sort of gatekeeper and um, lover of graffiti. I mean, how did that happen? Because you championed uh, a lot of graffiti books. Okay, so I don't
1: really think I'm a gatekeeper. You kind of are, though. I'm not. And
0: you keep the no, because I don't. a little bit, but I don't.
1: Gatekeeper suggests that I'm being an exclusive person. I'm an inclusive person. No, you're an
0: inclusive person, but you still open the gates for the sort of pedestrians that don't understand it. I but mean it's maybe. not like it maybe it's not like the insidery but it's more
1: to like the the mass yeah the I feel you I just think the word has such negative vibes because it's people really? self inflating oh, the- so I, I'm inflating
0: you. Not, okay. It's not self-inflating. It's claw-inflating. No, no. I, I feel you. All I right, just feel so like people uh, I won't say gatekeeper. Um, Torchbearer. Do you like to prefer that? Like I somebody like who, like somebody who is keeping the fan. spirit alive. Fan. Fan. But <laughs> it, more than a fan, you're a
1: propagator of. of okay. Culture. I, I like okay. propagators. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. I'm okay propagator. Ready for that? Okay. <laughs> give Sarah some props. Props. Yes. <laughs> That's what I'm talking Propagate about. Woman propagator. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, it basically. Okay so you know you grow up in New York and you just gag right? right like it's everywhere and you're like oh my god who the fuck are these people oh shit then i went to the guardia and there was mm-hmm. like, you know, a whole – all the seniors were writers and, and you were like, oh, my God, the coolest people are graffiti writers. And it wasn't Meanwhile, like – Meanwhile,
0: every single kid in New York City public schools wrote graffiti. Shout know. out to all you. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
1: But it was like the first time that I actually saw a face with a person and sure. I was like meeting people. And I was like, oh, my God. So I want to be down, but I'm not down. So I just, you know, adopted a hand style and wrote in my notebooks and was like, I Do can't Do have beautiful
0: handwriting? Yes,
1: you know yes. what I'm saying? <laughs> to, you know, I'll sit on the tree writing in my journal and people are like, what language is that? I'm like, word? <laughs> <laughs> think it's some like crazy thing. Like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what's up. So, yeah, so basically, well, okay, so this is how it all started. Peter came. Peter Sutherland came in for a meeting with this woman who was basically like she did the accounts at that point, and they gave her the job of meeting people who want who had submissions so that she would feel engaged and like something a little bit more exciting. So I'm sitting there, and it was meanwhile literally, they just didn't want to hire staff. <laughs> you already know They're giving her an opportunity <laughs> in a lifetime.
0: <laughs> you already know. So
1: basically. Literally, the office was an open office. It was just a little bit larger than this room. And so she's sitting right there with Peter, and I can't—they have their back to me, but I hear graffiti, graffiti. And I'm doing the, like— a word? Uh, why am I? Oh, uh, But, you know, I'm not going to roll up and interrupt. So I just wait till he leaves. And I was like, what's that? And she's like, I don't care. Like, I'm, you know, it's graffiti. I don't know anything about it. You know, I'm I'm looking at Judy Chicago. Like, it was a whole other realm. So I was like, yo, show me that. So she shows it to me. And I'm like, holy shit. You know, I'd never seen anything like it. Portraits of people. They signed Portraits you. of graffiti writers? It was very um, hot. taboo. <laughs> hot. It was just hot. It was like, oh my God this is like they're dope photos this great energy I'm just so curious and you know I hadn't done anything at that point I was you know a publicist and doing all these other things but I wanted to make books so I was like do do let me let me email Peter and tell him I want to help him so I'm like basically like let me get him on board tell him I want to put this project together had some meetings with him told it like sitting there in the office like we're gonna make this project and he's like okay and I was like I'm not the publisher and I haven't sold it to them yet (laughs) So I basically put the whole concept together and I deliver it to the, you know, dudes. And I was like, all right, this is what I want to do. I just want to make this book. You don't have to pay me. I don't give a fuck. I need to make this book because I need to make a book. And I I know how they are. They're like, if you want to work and you go, like some people will literally block you from your light. Okay. And like they'll be like, you'll have an idea and they'll be like, that's a dope idea. And we'll either take it from you or block you. But what you're not going to do is come up under me. But Powerhouse, for all of their craziness, were like, oh, bitch, you want to work for free? Shit, hell yeah. Like, go So, ha- So you
0: had your job there. Yeah. But this was a separate, like, publishing. Yeah, basically.
1: Well, so basically, I was like project manager. Okay. So it was like, I put it together. I was like, okay, we're I art directed, sequence like with Peter. We collaborated to make the book production. You know, the little spot varnish on the tags. Yeah. No, no, I also know. So it looked at, like all these things. The whole concept, everything with marketing, publicity. So it was basically like I ran it, and because of that, they basically like all. They literally like looked at it. But they weren't even like they were like, Okay, this looks good, you know, you're making it work, you're making the numbers work. But you that, can do book, it.
0: that book really it's was good. a was a game changer <laughs> because that book really piqued interest in graffiti books for the not that they weren't around before, but all of a sudden everybody's like, Oh, this is hot, like let's Let's get on this wave.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know it was on The Apprentice. That's right. I forgot. Remember? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Did I'm it gonna... actually air? Yeah.
0: Was... Pe- graffiti <laughs>
1: writers that were hanging out with Donald Trump? Lady Pink and Ernie were the ones who were the <coughs> battling with the teams. It was such a campy episode. The episode was like, oh. but, I have to find that. <laughs> but basically, yeah, you do. Check my stories out. You here. do. <laughs> okay? No, you really do because there are some really good lines in it. But what happened was after it was on The Apprentice – Because it was everywhere in the magazines, you know. Sure. But when it was – when this man, who shall be not named, was big upping it, even though he was not a fan, it was like all of a sudden all the marketing people, all the corporate people who watched that show because this was the third season when it was still kind of hot. Right. I think the show had an edge back then. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bothered. It did
0: because he was such a
1: jerk and he was such a like like, um,
0: ringmaster – bossy boots, Queens douche. But like, I also, it was interesting because he was such a New York guy. Like, that's what it I It was think more New York and it Trump was less did. celebrity. He, like, he, New York, like, swagged this country. Right.
1: You know what I mean? Uh, Queens. Queens. In a weird, no, yeah, no it is very Queens, very Queens. <laughs> <laughs> Queens <laughs> Queens get the money. <laughs> <laughs> Where, exactly. But essentially, that show was being watched by corporate marketing people. There were Because the, I used to watch that show and play along as a marketing person. Okay. Call the client. What are you doing? Okay. It was like I was interested in it because I was watching it from a business perspective. And it was so DIY. Back then, it was so much less structured and it was such a free-for-all. So basically, that was the turning point. All of a sudden, it was like, graffiti, is it back? And it was like... <laughs> Was it gone? <laughs> like I don't, I don't know about y'all, but that. But really that was sort was of a shift. that early
0: two thousands. Yep, was sort of, you know, uh, and then it was like the last. It's like the last New York stamp. But oh, I'm wrong because it's going on like gangbusters now. Like these kids, like oh, they don't they? care. There's like surveillance. They're just doing it. Like go team. Oh. Anyhow, yeah. Um, so. Uh, then you started meeting this like cast of characters oh, yes. and you really invested your your heart and soul into – you also published a very controversial book, <laughs> which I know a lot of people were upset about, Um, which was sort of – this guy sort of had a Donald Trump-esque like uh, – Marnark kind of vibe, right? Like he's the the last stop on the on the law train. Oh, Vandal Squad! The Vandal right. Squad. I mean, I don't book. think he
1: was that. Fly well, he thought to he you. was. He I thought. Don't. I
0: know, maybe, not to you, but like he oh, maybe thought he other people. To like okay, yeah, he was or probably, was probably
1: like. play. You know, cops will play a lot of different games. So he may have been playing it one way to me, in other ways. But yeah, I mean, I will say that that was that. I was at the end. <laughs> of that phase, and I had lost my way. To be honest, in retrospect, it was like that project came to me. I was out of my depth. I had originally planned to work with a graffiti writer to edit it, and he dropped out. And well, I was sort of— it's, it's interesting I because dropped I reme- it and I didn't.
0: No, I remember when it came out, I was like, ugh. And then I kind of was like leafing through it recently, and I was like, oh, this is really funny. There's some it stories in here. There's some funny. like good stories in here historically— um, you know, it, it's sort of it, – now that I'm not, like, doing illegal graffiti, I don't have that same, like, emotional
1: reaction to the vandal squad. And now I can really appreciate it. That's um, good because I have a totally different perspective, which is now that I'm a journalist and I'm much more invested in telling a history – I really would either not have done that book or I would have done it much more... Like count, invest- pointer count? No, like- investigatively, because mm. I took a lot at his word. And I'm not saying he wasn't worth his word, but I didn't really have an understanding of police. I didn't really have enough of an understanding of graffiti history. And... I was not necessarily like I'm not trying to down him. I was not um I was not up to the level that I think a story on that would deserve to be published. I think it was, it was a good vehicle for him, and I didn't know enough. And I also but was like was I didn't know really how to back a good up. Good
0: vehicle for him because it didn't just sort of. It was a go the, away and not did, but like – and he didn't really
1: get like a picked up. Like I don't know if he wanted like a media career or – No, no, he didn't. But I mean in the sense that people can say I have my legacy. OK. Like, right. Even sure, if sure. it's not anything more than I actually put my story down and it was published and told, it's in that my feeling now as somebody who is looking to essentially write history – Right? okay, rewrite history, clean up history, tell the facts, is that I was in a place where I wrote that book as a publicist. And I wasn't necessarily trying to publicize Vandal Squad, but I was trying to basically promote. Right, you're showing that you're showing the other side of it, the uh, other side of the culture that, you know, that I a lot of people I just don't think I knew consider. enough. Okay. And I think that like, I got basically, because I was invested in graffiti writers, I reached out to everybody who was in that book. I like was like, hey, this is what we're talking about. Do you have a comment? Do you want to correct the story? I was really trying to fact check that shit. So, you know, I talked to tap. <laughs> <Like>, I, talk, <laughs> I know I talked to people like I I tried to reach out to everyone I could like. It's not that everyone was willing to talk to me. But I made a concerted effort because I was like, I don't want to be sitting here exploiting anyone's name for anything. And I want to try and be fair. But at the end of the day, now at this point in my career, when I'm at a point where I'm like, oh, that's an interesting project, but I'm out of my depth, I back out because I'm not going to put my name on something that I'm not qualified to do. And in retrospect, I'm like, it was, it was what it was. I think the highlight of that book for me was the event.
0: Oh, the event, right. The
1: event was the the event was really the highlight because I took no to
0: that panel. You were like, Do you want to be on this panel? I was like, I don't want to be on that panel. I never want to talk to those <laughs> cops.
1: I don't want them to see me. I Girl, don't want to go near them. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. But I think <laughs> I think sitting basically having a Cat Steve Mona face off. I mean amazing. Was like I really at that moment was like, Wow, this is really what it's about. Is like getting people in a room to have a conversation that's never been had and getting people who can have the conversation, because I'm like, I'm not qualified for this conversation. But getting people who could really dig in, I felt like I was like, Do you shit. have video footage of
0: that? I'm uh, sure it exists. Somebody does. On, somebody does. Shit.
1: But yeah, somebody does. Holler it was at rose Rosen.
0: Holler at Miss
1: Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> but that was I, was, I got chills, you know what I mean? Because I just was like, this is really, this to me was what it was about, was being able to like a lot of conversations never get had even though people are talking. Do you know what I mean? Sure. This one's like the Vandal Squad's over here talking and writers are talking and people are but they're not necessarily like some, this bringing things together and the fact that it was contentious but it was contained Okay. And that people could actually have a very, like, you're in a room f- with, like, the tension in that room was crazy. And you're in a room, like, without people, without it turning into, like, Morton Downey Jr. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, no chairs are flying. Nobody's doing it. But well, they're the fucking cops. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> like,
0: you know what I mean? You just <laughs> yeah.
1: chairs at the cops. Like, <laughs> but you know. know what I'm saying? Like, nobody got, nobody lost their shit. People were able to make their points and, like, get into really intense conversations that I, as the person who helped put that book together, that's what I felt like the book was missing. Okay. That's really what the, I, So
0: it's the point-counterpoint, kind of. It would have it, been like maybe it would be an interesting thing, like this is what happened from this point of view of the, of the you know, arresting officer, and this is what happened from the graffiti writer's point of view and see
1: where they, like, And even, like, a third link. point of view, like, what does what was what actual, does that what's mean? on the no but also what's on the record what are some what are some because you know it, there's this one and that one and they only see within their frame but there's also a larger view when you start bringing other sources in when you start talking with more people you can fill in a lot more blanks of things that people who were in that immediate moment because they were so intense did you, you don't see the full picture and i just really felt like that event gave me a much deeper sense that i just really didn't have at that time and i really was like <gasps> This is what I this is what I aspire to.
0: So do you think that graffiti art from someone who's a huge fan is ever really going to get the respect as an overall not just like that the handful of of artists that are in this sort of like upper echelon? While we're alive, or do you think this—all of this stuff is going to sort of become important
1: in, like, retrospect? Well, are we talking about the art world, legitimizing graffiti? The
0: Not—even not, just, like, the public's view, because it—I I think because it's, like, free and on the street and just, you know, an everyday— Exciting that people sort of take it for granted, but I think historically, if you know, plastic doesn't wash us away or whatever, <laughs> right? Doesn't the world still here up in like twenty fifty or something yes, like that? Yes, it's a that. wrap. Ah, um, uh, like, will do you think people's perceptions will change of it just being this sort of? Uh, common occurrence, everyday, you know, urban sprawl,
1: will it have a much more cultural significance? Only if the art world says it should, because most people only follow what other people in power say is important, and they're willing to disband their beliefs in favor of a dominant hierarchy. But I think fundamentally this— People care or don't care. Graffiti is a really clear line. It, it makes you make a decision. Like, I knew the minute I saw it, I was like, the fuck is this shit? It wasn't, like, it, it was so aggressive and live and there was so much energy and I didn't know what the fuck any of it was and it was so compelling and it was exciting. And huh, even now, like I told you in my neighborhood, like, seeing 17 get up, it's like, woo and I know nobody cares. But I'm <laughs> like, oh, she just got up there. She got up People there. care. No, people I care. know people in my neighborhood don't oh, care. people in your they don't, don't give a care. fuck. I don't even know if they like, like I they don't. They don't even see it, yeah, right? Because they're so. It's so. It's like not a, interwoven no, it's into like like wallpaper. Like, yeah, yeah, and but also it's it's in the space, but it isn't necessarily everyone's culture, right? So people opt in or opt out. Graffiti is a clear line of like, do you care? Like you could either care, not see it because it's like I don't. It doesn't. I just block it out just like noise like I don't like you know if you hear some noise everyone turns their head and I'm like dogs turn their head I don't hear turn my head when I hear noise I, like as a New Yorker I like train myself not to respond to noise because I don't want to just be distracted all the time that's how a lot of people perceive graffiti they don't want the distraction and then there are people who just think it's a blight I think it's a litmus test of your aesthetic sensibility how you respond just like any other form of art is like is it noise to you or do does it resonate? It has a frequency. That's what really – that's what works for me. So the only way that the public as a group is going to change how they feel because they really just – It's re- if
0: the art world really like – Yeah, because
1: to- they responded negatively to it because the frequency that it was bringing back, especially in the 70s where it was like – in a train is like that's psychotic energy. I love it, but it's psycho right, energy. No, to be you're energy literally energy. like trapped in a box with, with this crazy like sort people, of like, and the lights went out, and there's no AC. Oh my god, that shit was remember the Windows used to be open in the train. Remember oh,
0: yeah. people? Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but people painted over windows so yeah. you didn't
1: see shit. It's that,
0: real estate, like you know. I, I mean, I remember people saying like, oh, "I can't even see
1: out the window." But that's like a big part, like yeah. in the. I know. The peace, exactly. right, right. Right. So basically the thing was I could totally feel how people and in that New York that was live as hell and you could get God just sitting there like someone just come up and fucking grab your shit, right? I could feel how that nervous energy was the environment that we were in and added it was just noise and people couldn't process it because they were just trying to live. But as things shifted, as, you know, it became less dangerous or the dangers shifted really um, – and graffiti moved into different spaces because that's also a different thing. If it moves outside of that confined coffin underground energy totally. and it's on the walls, it's a completely different thing. But it's one thing if it's on the walls. It's another thing if it's in your neighborhood and you think that your neighborhood has value, right? If you are so uh, – you know, as so many New Yorkers are status conscious and are like, what zip code do you live in? And all of these things matter, then you want certain status markers and graffiti is not the marker of – uh, the educated, artistic people who are selling at Sotheby's, right? It's not. Sure. It's like, oh, my God, these are black and brown kids who are just out here living in their teens, and they're like, they're wilding, right?
0: And then you find out they're all, like, white, <laughs> middle class.
1: like, <laughs> right? But they're not, even, they're not trying to find out any of that shit. So the thing is, and because the government so targeted and went so hard to make that the crime, like even when we did that in New York, Time story. There was so much pushback to that New York Times story. Oh, I know. I remember it was like, I was like, yeah, I was on the
0: low, and I was writing a lot of graffiti, and I was like, okay, can I get in and out, like, without them? And um, I think after that, that's when you started pushing me to do a book, and I was like, nah, Sarah, I'm still painting. I'm still painting. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of pushed it off for a couple years, and then a friend of mine was like,
1: What are you doing? You still fucking painting? (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: like Brad. (laughs) Um, uh, But I was talking—it was really—it was our girl, Kathy Bennett, Mm -hmm. uh, who—she was like, you should just do the book. You don't need to paint anymore. Like, these girls need to know about you. It's—and she was the one who convinced me to drop the can and pick up a pen. (laughs) 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 And you, Sarah, obviously— Um, Mm -hmm. and that book, I mean, don't mind if I say so myself, went gangbusters, Mm -hmm. was in every magazine under the sun, sold out in six months. Occasionally, I'll find like a bunch of cheap copies on Amazon and I'll like buy them because I'm like hoarding them (laughs) because we still sell them. But I find like I also find them on Amazon for three hundred dollars. And I'm mm-hmm. like, ooh, wow! I know. Come to the store. It's only first 100. edition.
1: <laughs> Girl, first editions a first. There's only a first one. First editions a first edition. There's
0: some very cute pictures of Brad in that book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, uh, why do you think that book got so much attention? Because that I was a woman. Was that like was that the was that the you know mitigating factor? Oh no, no, mitigating is the wrong word. Yeah. Was that the um?
1: Was that the attraction to to the book? The idea that um. I think it was bigger than that. You happen to be a woman, and that's unusual. But it's not like these people have enough depth of understanding of graffiti to be like, oh my god, a white girl from Queens. Like they're not. They don't have that knowledge of where to put you into the game. It was, yeah, that's an element, and that was like, you know, sparkle. But we were talking about style, fashion, graffiti, music, oh, bringing out lifestyle. It was a lifestyle book. It was a lifestyle And book. most people weren't making graffiti as a lifestyle. But you are a lifestyle. You know what I mean? The way that you live. Get on at- my wave, yo. <laughs> <laughs> right? That also, at that point, both of us were in places where we just knew, like, at the end of the day, is a game, right? So you're in or you're out of the game. You knew people. I knew people. So we could cover the waterfront. Right. You knew all these folks. I knew all these folks. People wanted to be down. Also, back in that day, there was so much less content.
0: There was so much less content. and yeah, you could publish a book. could publish so. a book and people would, like, buy it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, like, look at it, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah. not just, like, leave it on their
1: tape. Right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too. Because there was so much less content, there were, you were, the sources were so important because you knew that certain people could deliver and that you were like, oh, I have a hole. I got to put something in it. Or I'm looking for something. Who am I going to go to? Like, I knew at a certain point, one day I came back, one year I came back after New Year's. And like at 4 p.m., I got like five major publications going, what do you have? and i was like oh is this how it goes you come back you settle in and then you're like i need contact right like let's sarah. call
0: right let's call sarah
1: because sarah's got like not finger was on like, the pulse and i just was like oh okay like I, that made me realize i was like okay i have credibility with these people because they were like i you know i am just going to go to a source that is going to i don't know that i'm going to use anything she has but i know that she's on the top that i want to research if she has anything and it's the same way i do it too like when i'm looking for stories there are certain people i go to first because i'm like you're good you're I, I might not get anything but i know to tap that well okay so that's really okay so basically i think you know at that time it got a lot because also you attraction i attraction and when you build that up and right. it and was like explosive. And there is, it was,
0: it was when that book came out. It was Crazy Town. Yeah, I was traveling around the world, going to book signings, magazines. This, that. Um, I was outfitting was Mia. Girl, yeah. I came out with my Nike, like 2007. That was my year. That was yes. the
1: year I think. <laughs> Yes, girl. Right? Shout out to
2: 2007,
1: <laughs> girl. Also, like that. Like you know, like I said, that era. That was a posh era. That was what? To when did we crash? Two thousand eight, right? Right. No, it that was, the, was that it was, was nineteen
0: twenty eight, girl. Yeah. No, 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 those were those were good times. Two thousand seven. <laughs> it just like didn't. That, you
1: didn't see the well in getting between, dry. like right. the nineties dot com crash and the real estate crash. That ten year window also was. I, there was a small window where everything went digital, like in terms of how you produce content, and everything went to China. So there was a boom in illustrated book publishing. There was like it went from five publishers in the 90s who did 85,000 copy print runs because there were no books and everything was very square the form every all the aesthetics were really mhm you know ugh, everything looked like a school book right and it was like and that's what it was cuz that's that's how art books had been done for a long time and then basically with the start of DAP bringing in European books in the 90s. Okay. And powerhouse starting. And then other other publishers started appearing on the map and they could afford to do small print runs and they could put all this content out and all of a sudden you were getting books like the way Nan Golden would publish, but it wasn't a one-off. It was like you could keep finding these small, wild art projects and do these, like, labors of love. And it wasn't like they necessarily paid for themselves. You would do a nice square book to pay for everything else. Sure, sure, sure. That's, I mean, that's how it is. But you could produce much more of, like, in a world where... Edgy, edgy content. And in books at a time where print was, like... There were so many shifts in print, but I think this one window where like design had moved forward, content had moved forward, photography was peaking in a way that I just think that photography has been – what has gotten on? It's not that photography itself has been narrow. What has been put on? as photography and art was very narrow up until the nineties. And then there was just a much bigger explosion in terms of what started becoming public and what became content. And when you put it in a book form where all of a sudden you were like, affordable art. Okay. Okay. Like here's the thing. You can't spend six thousand dollars on a print most of us, right? But you could spend sixty dollars on a book if you had to have it. And people keep books like they keep art. Don't crack the spine. Clean your hands. Right. Like you don't like you put it on the coffee table, it's but don't precious, you damn put it in no the process. On. That object. table, right? It's so. It was affordable art. It was edgy, and it was before this glut of digital content, which people consume all day. But you have nothing at the at the end of the day. You're like, I have nothing, right? <laughs> you, it's like junk food. That's yeah. like the
0: internet. You know what I mean? It's like just, it's tastes delicious, and then you have diarrhea. <laughs> 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 um, how can uh, wh- how do you think we can bring? internet standards up or like because there's no expense on the internet. I mean except for obviously the people that are doing the work, but like for the viewer. Right. There's no expense. They're they're, you know, easy to sort of Not read and just sort of scroll scroll and like pick out the visuals that are exciting for you. Like obviously people are still printing books and making books and books are still this um, momentous sort of Mm -hmm. calling card and milestone in someone's career. That's why a lot of people self-publish and they (laughs) – they need to do that for themselves so that they can feel a certain status, right? I should take my book yeah, about seagulls. And you are like, <laughs> oh, you self published this, I see. It's good. <laughs> Very nice. Um do you, do you see there being a shift that people will want to go back to the book because they actually like physically own something and they can – reference it. I I want to buy more books.
1: Right. So I mean, here's the first on the thing about like internet content. People have an illusion that democracy is some noble thing and that giving people the right to choose means that every that the the tides will go up. Like they're not <laughs> if you give people they people will show who they truly are if you give them the freedom to be who they are. And so the reason that a lot of content is mediocre, is that it's satisfying. It's what people want. And I'm not here to judge because I like some mediocre shit, too. So, like, everyone everyone likes what they like, right? The thing is that, with the internet, the gatekeepers, the people who are controlling, it all goes back to it being a lot of the stuff is corporate, corporatized. What is not allowed to be shown on Instagram, right? Right. And what is the, That girl's dead body was up there, but she can't show dick, right? Right. Okay? So, what what these corporations are deciding is a lot of the factor, and they're they're reading algorithms at the same time too. So th- there's a lot of reinforcing a reinforcing cycle with what is happening. Well, I here. think that, that
0: right, like all this data mining, and they're like, oh, I'll use myself as an example. Oh. She just bought an inflatable pool (laughs) and she just bought a set of knives. And like, do these relate? Is she going to stab the pool with these knives? Like, (laughs) uh, Like, it doesn't make sense. There's a randomness. And I almost think... You know, the, this, like, ho- whole idea that they're, like, trying to, like, mind control you. are like, hey, you just bought these knives. Don't you want some other knives? No, I don't want other—I bought knives. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, <Right>? that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're like,
1: I'm—do um, uh, you think they'll be able to sort of figure this stuff out? Yeah. AI teaches itself. Like, we're, like—I've I've done minimal amounts of research and writing on things about AI and robotics and where people are heading. And— this is this is the fundamental thing about western culture. It's not broken, let's break it. Right. This whole thing qu- capitalism relies on breaking what works in order to sell you something that will further break things down because they don't actually fundamentally believe in the natural world. This is just my belief. See, I think
0: capitalism tells you that you have this image of yourself. Oh, I'm I would use that kind of garbage can. It's a stained, uh, you know, glass design. It goes with my whole – like that. I need that because that's me. And so you're just always perpetuating this image – that you, you can't ever, like, live up to completely, mm-hmm. right? But, like, you know, having these knives or having this garbage can. What's camp. up with these knives? I don't know. I just bought <laughs> knives. I just bought <laughs> knives. Is everything I'm okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> I ha- I need to s- cut freaking fruit, okay? Yes, it's summertime. It is. <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> oh, I have some dull-ass <laughs> knives. I need a knife sharpener, okay? All right. Change Algorithm. <laughs> H- Here it. Knife okay. sharpener. Okay, cheap, cheap. Under $10, okay? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um so you're you just never can sort of like, oh I I wear those I'm that type of person to wear those kind of sneakers. I need that. And I need this, you know, new makeup that doesn't
1: uh give me pimples because I need to be you know? Well it's all this too. It's like, you know, we The shift that's happened since the 80s is brand identity and branding. And so first people got into brands, and now the culture is I'm a brand. And now as somebody who actually once said I am a brand when I started Miss Rosen Editions, I spent the past decade unbranding. People are all obsessed with rebranding. I'm like, yo, unbrand, unbrand, because here's the thing. When you brand, all you do is get to the top of the short ladder you on top of the short I ladder like, bitch, my life isn't over and there's nowhere to go. Am I supposed to climb up this short ladder over and over again or just hold on here while the wind comes and tries to knock me over? Right. And people will stay at the top of that rather than just get the fuck off the ladder because that shit is a fucking scam. It is a scam. It's and- all a scam. And it's okay because – I mean it's okay in the sense of like just on a philosophical level. It is what it is. In order for this system of capitalism to function, you have to keep – Basically misleading people into believing that money is the solution to the problem instead of money is the cause of the problem. Everything that we are in now from climate change on down is related to greed. It all goes back to like this is a motherfucking sin. You are feeding into the most virulent, ugly side of people and you're telling them that if they feed that part that that will solve the problem that is so much more profound And cannot be solved through any of this shit. The things that are all the answer cannot be commodified or monetized. And you can't fucking fix it by fucking basically going outside of yourself. You have to go inside yourself and break down a lot of shit. This is what I spent the past decade doing. Breaking through all this nightmarish fucking brainwashing. To be like, okay, you know what? Not only was I misled by people I trusted, but it turns out I don't know shit about shit. And that's why I'm a miserable fuck. That's why I keep going in a direction that does not... Fucking work, but I. It's terrifying to realize you don't have answers, and no one fucking around you has answers either, because they are also waylaid by the system, and they. Everyone is trying to like hold hands and convince themselves that if we just do it their way harder, and they're sitting there counting their money, being like, "Sucker, Sarah, Rosen for president." We <laughs> <laughs> and Marianne, I'll just be your vice president. <laughs> getting freaking schooled over
0: here. Um. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince.
1: Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: Yes. Uh, It's interesting how people um, want to be brands. And it's funny because I am a weird brand. I feel reduced as a person. Yes, I am like I am reduced to being a brand. Okay, like I'm actually a human.
1: Like, and that's how people (laughs) will treat you because, like I said, motherfuckers are all tricks. That is the law (laughs) of nature. (laughs) There,
0: motherfucking trick, motherfuckers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They are. They're all fucking tricks. And the thing is, they will sit there and be like, yo, I have the money, so I have the power to control. And the thing is, you just got to fucking be like, but you a trick, bitch. And you can't be the hoe. You got to be the pimp. I mean, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You just can't be. Uh Obviously. Because capitalism, look, here's at the end of the day capitalism is pimps, hoes, and tricks. That's it. So if you're going to be in that game, you play that. Or you just break it down, girl. Break it down. (laughs) (laughs) Or just fuck the game. Like, those are the options. But the reality is most of us aren't going off the grid. Right. How do
0: you sort of get out of the confines of capitalism in New York City? Okay, we need money
1: to live to eat, pay our bills right you don't. the reality is you don't if we're if we're like here's the thing like. The only way to escape this system is to go somewhere it doesn't exist, which is not America. And where does America not have hegemony? I don't fucking know the moon. Nope, still got a <laughs> flag up there. Okay, so they're all celebrating. Fifty years, we put a flag on the fucking moon. Go. Okay, this. I mean, I can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't see any flags at
0: all. It's not there. Yeah. It's but fake news. The reality. Yeah,
1: the reality. <laughs> yeah, they're like. Okay, but the reality is, if you're in the system, then it's like, how do you fucking survive on a plane that's going down? Not everybody dies in the crash, but you're in a plane. This shit is going to crash, and we are all on it. So the first thing is be like, oh, this fucking plane is going to crash. Now you can get hysterical, you right? Can be in denial, or you could be like, bitch, what do I fucking do? Right? And that's where's really, my floaty? Where's my <laughs> flotation device? <laughs> like you put the goddamn oxygen on, and you actually have to stop. Here's the thing. I can't answer that because I had to answer that question for myself. And I could tell you how I did what I did, but that's not your answer because I don't have your conflicts. I could share with you and say this is is what I did. And I'd be happy to share any of that shit because I don't like sitting on information that's like, what the fuck? But the reality is at the end of the day— So tell us what you did. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say that is curious. We are curious. <laughs> all right. So first, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's it right there. I can't do that. Salvation is a personal thing. Right. Look, we are doomed as a species, but everybody has personal salvation. We're going down. This shit's a wrap. I'm not even trying to be fatalistic, nihilistic, or negative. Everything I mean, goes we're poisoning extinct. the earth. No, but we're everything goes like. extinct, and also, it's Newton's third law. Of physics, everything has an equal and opposite reaction. It does. Bitches out here are doing all this shit, thinking like it's cool because uh, I thought I wouldn't be here when the when the kickback came. It turns out we already getting the kickback right now, and it's going to it's escalating at a speed. show. people. Anyway, point is this. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I can't even. I don't even have the information to say it. But the reality is, while the plane is going down, because bitch, this shit is on fire, and it's a wrap. You better work on your soul. That's right. Quick thinking. (laughs) Quick thinking and uh, soul searching immediately. (laughs) That's it. Like basically heal yourself. All this stuff starts with being like, oh, my God, this is on me and no one can do it for me. That shit is shocking and terrifying because you are literally like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) So
0: societally, we cannot – I don't know it, about it's that. It's individualistic. I, okay. Like you
1: save yourself and and don't try to. Well, no, I wouldn't say that either. Okay, because that's the thing. There's too much of this American individualism, and that's part of the poison too. It's not a, like there's there's levels to where this is. It's not like yo fuck all y'all. I'm a fucking take this lifeboat and good luck to you. That's it's, how I would
0: be. I'd be yeah. like... I, you got I'd be like, I grab
1: that. But All right, just my peaks. But that's the thing. It's like right. there are levels to... <laughs> there are levels to it. There is like... First of all, you can't... It's like just like the oxygen thing. You're going to run out of oxygen trying to save other people. First, you got to focus, get yourself straight, and get your head screwed on right before you mislead people into wherever. But at the same time, as you're doing stuff, it's not like we live alone and we're as hermetic as I am. I still engage with people. People engage. So the thing is to engage with people on a deeper level. Most people sit around and they talk about, other people they talk about events but they don't ever fucking get into real ass shit i've been sitting here all day i would all just want to have soul-searching conversations which is why i interview people all day Mm -hmm. because it's the only time you could ask people questions that instead of feeling that you're transgressing boundaries they go oh god that's an interesting question and they're like damn you really care about some deep ass shit and i'm like hell yeah like because i'm looking for answers and what do you think what have you found on your journey? Or what does this bring up for you when I ask you these questions? That shit makes people so uncomfortable to do socially because people get really what they do is – Well, there's they, a sheep
0: mentality, right? Well, like if you don't have the stock answer um, and you say something controversial, like people hold you to it. And that the, this is like yeah. the new sort of uh, – it w- and it's being fired onward by the media – you say something wrong or you change your mind about something that these i don't even know what to call them the public public it's will the public. drag you hell yeah <laughs> they will never forgive you they want you to squirm and suffer and and some of it is good because it's like you know you know pointing a light on some really disgusting people there's also people—it's almost
1: like you're not allowed to evolve and that they, in, in a weird are way. The, and, people are frauds. When people get busted for shit, instead of owning it and fucking being like, yo, I fucked up. Right. Here's why. I don't have answers yet, and I'm working, but I will not fucking throw anyone under the bus for my mistake. Very few people will come with that fucking level of vulnerability to be like, you are fucking right.
0: Shout out to the real ones. Yeah,
1: for real real though. Shout out to the real ones. For me to be like, I, I knew when Vandal Squad went down, something was wrong. And like now in retrospect, I can be like, I see what I did. And I can, I'm not uncomfortable with it because it's like, it's the truth. And I could go into deeper parts of it. But the bottom line is to be like, I was at a place where I was not, what I thought I was, and I was making cover up stories, and I got busted for being a fraud. Look, this is a fraud culture, and people are terrified to be exposed. And on top of that, people fundamentally, this is, people really struggle. Like, I'm not a bad person, I did a bad thing. Bitch, you are a bad person, own it. Like, I could be like, I have been a terrible fucking person, and I can fucking own it. I am not—I don't like it. I am ashamed, but I'm not going to sit here and pretend that, like, you could separate what I did from who I am. That is who I was. I own that shit. And the thing is— But can't—I mean, but uh, can't—can't you make mistakes? I mean, isn't that— of course you Part can. of life? But you can't write off a mistake without owning the fucking truth behind okay, the Okay, I, I agree with and that. And so many people are like, I made a mistake. Let's move on. Bitch, no. You, everything equal and opposite. You got to go fucking back. You can't just move forward. And everyone's like, I just want to move forward. And like, bitch, that is also, that shows you haven't grown because if you really know that this shit was wrong, it's called, you got to fucking, there's a word for it, I'm spacing on it. But you got to fucking do the work to, and you got to let people have their drag because that's who they are. They're in a place where they want blood. This ain't no different than yeah, the but, damn uh, Roman Coliseum. They feed the Christians right, to the riots. But it's almost it's human like they're nature. Hide, there's people are hiding in the bushes, Hell waiting yes. to
0: pounce, waiting human for people nature. to fuck up. But... Before okay, the fake press we we all know right from the beginning of time. This is this is the uh, the hand of 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 the powerful people right. Um, used to have like a positive spin. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> right? like, girl, no, no, that's not true at all. But it's so it, positive, there, it wasn't in coming for you. My mind it used to be like, it oh, wasn't. I'm trying to have a positive spin. I'm trying to see the good in this. I'm trying to. But they weren't. They really weren't. Right. That's like somebody watching
1: Birth of a Nation, being like, "Yo, that was a good movie. That shit from day one. If you, if it wasn't coming for your neck, that's just because you weren't looking at whose neck it was coming for. These motherfuckers. Look." When they talk about that ad that Trump took out in the Central Park Five and the, yep. that whole shit, where is anyone saying the New York Times took their money? They are complicit. What has the New York Times done? They are com- – they took – the New York Times ran that ad. Yeah, Trump did that. That's who the fuck but he it, is. Right, but it's also Everyone is advertising. part. You don't have to take money. Yeah, you don't. You don't have to print that shit. And has anyone put them been like, what, where's that fucking money, bitch? No one, like not a motherfucking 000. one. Yo, but what is it? Have they even come forward to say we were wrong to take his money? Has... Yeah, no, no, you're right. They, I mean, they're... This is—and here's the thing. We can all sit here and point to Trump because that— Yo, know, in no way am I trying to say that. I'm just saying that bitch ain't alone. That bitch has many, many motherfuckers that nobody's pointing at. And the thing is, look— Of course, there are people waiting. They are lying in wait. Some of them are completely right to wait, lie in wait. Some of them are predators lying in wait. Right. Human nature never fucking changes. And these motherfuckers are what they are, and they've always been this way. The fact that they, the powerful, sold us a scam that there was ever a better time than this time today is a fucking lie, girl. We, as women... I mean, come on. There is no better time than today. No, there is As evil as this world is today, there is no better time.
0: Absolutely. It's it's obviously a hundred million times better than it was.
1: And so... Even ten years ago. Everything. Okay. But the thing is, they will always fucking try to sell you that, like, somehow... You're losing something because that is the whole capitalist mindfuck. The scam is to always make you think that you could—they could give you something better and that you're always at a disadvantage. When all of us living in this fucking country, this evil (laughs) country, right, what we are doing to this planet, what we are doing to everybody on this planet, the earth, all of this shit— we are the ones in an advantage, and we're sitting here crying like victims. Oh my God, what about growth? I fucked up. <laughs> bitch, yeah, you fucked up. Right. <laughs> I fucked up. I, man, until people, when they get busted, fucking own it. Yo, and then people will be like, oh, that bitch is fucking for real. Like, people are looking for the day that someone who gets busted and is fucking like legit. And like, they're like, oh, that's a fucking example of how you fucking do it. But until they see the realness, that's yeah, because these like publicists and all
0: these other like idiots get involved and they say don't say anything or like and there's um other power at play and um.
1: Yes, I agree it's a with scam. you. Own it apologize. Look, it's it's apo- an
0: it's an important. Uh, tr- you, there's tr- a trait lot to have. of
1: things like, and not just an apology because an apology is like is words, and words are cheap. And it's like you gotta fucking actually do that by changing your behavior, changing how you think, changing how you live, and you gotta be like, man, maybe nobody will ever fucking forgive me, and you know what? I had it coming. I know that there are people who never forgive me. I had it coming. I can tell you all the reasons why X, Y, Z. It still doesn't matter. You fucking did that. You own that. You don't You don't get to erase your record. Like, that's the thing. And people are so – we are so taught that, like, oh, my God. It's like you don't ever have to be responsible for anything. All right, but that's a lie. Fun.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. So let's go back to internet culture. People do things because there is literally – no retribution. They can say things. They
1: can threaten people, death threats. This, there's, you know. But now, what we see consistently is justice is nonlinear. Mm-hmm. People believe that because retribution is not a one-to-one correlation, that karma don't come. But of course it does. They're gonna get they're gonna get gagged. That's all I'm gonna say. They're gonna get gagged one way or another. And even if they go through this life and I know some evil motherfuckers who died and they don't they thought they thought. And I'm like, okay, we can all believe whatever we believe about what happens after, but I I am a hundred percent for my own. They're not heavy. They're not. Yeah I'm not, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even like yeah. I'm not even on a heaven or hell thing. But I'm completely like, You're a fucking demon. Well, also the way
0: you think of them. Right. It, it's not like a glowing. You're like, yeah, good.
1: You know, Yo, it's just this. People can people can be in denial and die. That doesn't change reality. Reality don't give a fuck what the hell you think or say or do. Reality is the ultimate get guy. Right. And you want to play with that? I don't want to play with that because I lived enough in reality. No, facts is <laughs> <It's> facts. <laughs> this. I lived enough in reality to be like, oh, my God, my card keeps getting pulled. Oh, my God, I'm a fucking asshole. I don't want to be an asshole. Even if I think I'm right, I don't want to be an asshole because this shit. Well, I sometimes can't. you have to be an asshole. But I don't. Yo, I feel like this.
0: I can't. you're like you'll pull the asshole out when you have to but you don't the want reality that's not like is, you're like everyday but day. also
1: the reality is like I when you know your true character and you know your personality you know what you can tolerate and there are things that I just am like I'm too old to tolerate trauma I can't fuck with it anymore I've had my fucking fill sure. I'm done with it I am not I'm not living through it and I'm not bringing it to anybody, and I will own anything that comes in my past, and I'll be like, I have to pay for it. And I have to pay for it to the end of my days, that's fine. But what I will not do is sit here and pretend that that shit is like, is just. I, you, if you live in denial, you're going to gag. And the thing is, I know this about people. They're miserable. I don't know why when you come to this earth that you would stay in a state of hell in your own fucking body if you could leave it. Well, it's a, you know,
0: from day one, and there's a John Lennon song, which I'm sure you don't know because you fucking hate John Lennon. Or you used yes. to. <laughs> he used to hate like the Beatles people. and like John Lennon. Yes. Like, what?
1: Yes. Anyway, uh, we
0: got. But pick they're up like that. they say like from like the time you're born. I can't. I, I, yeah. Forgive me. For not knowing the the words uh, correctly, but it's like sort of like from the day you're born, they expect you to follow these rules, and when you don't, they like beat you down.
2: It's a lot of songs like that.
0: Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> so name name another. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, like I I apply it to like my child, right? Who. Doesn't care about any of these bullshit rules. He wants to do what he wants to do. He's got ideas and he wants to, you know, self actuate, you know? Um, That's how he learns. That's how, right. That's how he learns. But my particular child is extra, very, you know, very demonstrative child um you can just say it he's a boy he's a boy. <laughs> uh, i right. got one too yeah i know the deal and uh it, it's just like oh you gotta stand in line oh you gotta do this you gotta follow this you gotta say this you can't talk like that you can't yell like that you can't jump around and have fun because you want to like they were like you know he's running in the halls and i'm like yeah he's in second grade like <laughs> like why are you calling me bitch like for real though, I've oh, gotten so I'm like, you're like really. Why He's are you running calling out? me? You're the school. I know. <laughs> you got him till two thirty. Don't call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'll handle the rest. Deal of Deal with day. it. I'm not going <laughs> to sue you. <laughs> 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 oh. But mm-hmm. it's just there. Uh, it's the world is oppressive. Society is oppressive. Hell yeah, and. Uh, Sort of this whole new idea of, like, there's 95 different genders and there's, like, right – I feel like that is, uh, like, so oppressive and putting people into boxes and, you know, like, hyper, you know, categorizing things and um, not giving you the autonomy to just be you, like – Right. Am wait, I so trans you, because so, I feel, like, very, like, masculine at times? Am I, like, do I have to, like, identify as so a trans man? No, so nah, just fucking me!
2: So you think that this new rainbow of sort of
0: of descriptions is, is actually more, puts you more in a box. It puts you more in a box than, uh, it, but at the same time, if you want to box yourself in, box yourself in. Like, I'm all about that, and I respect your choice to hyper- uh, Clarify right. Exactly who the fuck you are. You know, I'm this with this. So I'm that with that. Like – and also what about like evolve, evolving because I'm very different than I was five years ago even, 10 years, 20 years. It's almost like if I look back 20 years ago, I can't even believe that was me. And, you know, you know, you knew me then, okay. right? I mean, don't you feel similarly? Yeah. Like, weren't you, right? And don't you feel similarly? Or aren't you
1: different than you were 20 oh, yeah. years ago? Aye, like, 10 okay. years ago, five so years ago, even last year, right? But here's the thing. Like, yeah, society is totally oppressive. Absolutely. So many rules are wrong and false and, like, completely designed to keep people in mm-hmm. line. And so many people want to play by the rules because they think that they're going to get ahead playing by the rules. Well, again, do you go and get to the top of the short ladder, bitch. Right, right. Enjoy the view. Like, you, totally. like that's the thing. What people are trying to do now is break out and find new paradigms. Now, you might – not needing that the way they do. Correct. Right, right, yeah, right. I that's because I, that's right. I, is, I can identify in a different way. Here's right. the thing. I, like I don't understand stuff, but I don't judge things I don't understand. I may have an opinion and I'll keep that shit to myself because it's mostly ignorant and it's reactionary and it just says a whole lot about me and my limitations. Absolutely. But the thing is, I do think that there is something to the fact that people are desperate to find an identity in a place that tries to conform them when they don't fit into anything and that they are struggling because there's such a I agree lot with that of, I agree there, with that. okay language is a huge problem because there are so many bad terms for things that people are react to the words more than the idea because people can't deal the idea is challenging enough then the word is wrong and then people get stuck right and then they're like lost in something and then they're like I'm against it because I can't get my head around anything and I'm like you're just saying I'm I'm ignorant and I don't want to learn, which is totally okay. Just say I'm ignorant and I don't want to learn. That's a completely acceptable position. I mean, that's America. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right? But they're, they're like, like uh, okay, but, <laughs> I don't – But the other reality is this. Survi- so that they're also
0: proud of it. Yeah. In addition to that. But right.
1: the other reality is this. Survival is fucking hard. We don't know what people are surviving. And if people aren't ready to look into and accept things that have nothing to do with them, that's completely okay that they're like, I need to be ignorant. You don't have to be malicious. You don't have to be hateful. You can just be like, I don't give a fuck, and I don't want to give a fuck. But you can also keep that shit to yourself. People's biggest problem is like the idea that because they have an idea, they, they need sh- to share the fuck. And here's the: it really comes down to this. There's a huge need for attention that people are not getting. So, why
0: does it seem like more than ever that people will really like do anything? For attention and and really, like, play themselves, uh, embarrass themselves, put themselves
1: in a really bad light just to be seen. Because the medium is there. They would have done this at any time. All we are seeing is human nature amplified okay. through technology. And the other thing is the amplification is like a circuit, right? The more you see something, the more it reinforces something. And the more you feed your attention, the more it Retell something, it's a confirmation bias. So the technology basically just makes people more of what may have been there and may have been repressed or held back, but it amplifies it and it gives people who are struggling an easy out to avoid. People eat junk food instead of eating vegetables because once you develop a taste for something that's unhealthy and you don't know how to heal that unhealthy part, you're just going to keep pursuing that because you don't have a taste for health. And like, this is completely the thing is, Everything that's happening is a revelation about the deeper issue that is going uh it's like it's all in plain sight but we're all going to like look at the appearance of things instead of the underlying issue because the underlying issue is ugly, gruesome and potentially unsolvable. There are people who will very go scary. through life it's very scary. there are people go through life with levels of trauma and things in their mind that they don't know how to heal. Nobody knows how to heal and may never heal. They may be living with conditions, just like you have illnesses. You may have mental situations that you don't know how to heal, and nobody is helping you and is exacerbating. And the- At the same time, there have been traumas through the ages,
0: and it seems, it seems, and I'm not, you know, this is not factual data accurate it's reporting Plagada. here it's yeah. right <laughs> love it that there have been people that have gone through trauma and they can get through life it seems like the young people now are blaming like everything is trauma everything is depressing and at the same time i feel it i feel it for them they're growing up in a in a world that seems It's going to end and there's no answer in sight and that no one, you know, is doing anything about it to to help secure their future. And, you know, even me on buying knives on Amazon, which is, you know, I read this whole thing like if you don't choose one day shipping and you do three day shipping, it's so much better for the environment. I mean, I think that's where we really fucked up is when we gave – uh online retailers an incentive to sell things cheaper than you going to the knife store and going and doing the actual work that they do but it's cheaper for me to buy it online and have it delivered with no tip no like it's crazy and obviously it's capitalism
1: so i uh, just to go back because we weren't there we love to make presumptions about how everything was better when we weren't there to – there's there's no Sure, they reason. were dumping sewage into the uh, oceans, you know, 50 years
0: ago. Like, there's um, no, like talking yeah, about, you know what I mean? I remember there being a huge fish scare when I was yeah, a kid.
1: But talking about like, people, uh, like, people living through trauma and they were better – like that there's no evidence that they were better and there is evidence that trauma is genetically passed down. It absolutely. So there's no there's no way that we should ever presume that any time was ever better or that people were ever in a better state or there's no if you actually look at history everything looks so much more grim and gruesome and the fact that people had to live with trauma and weren't allowed to work through it or heal it is Disgusting! It actually sounds like this planet is hell. It sounds like you were like you had to suck that shit up, and that's supposed to be better. That shit drives people to physical mental illness. It destroys families and lives. It destroys the planet. So why, why we live here is an inheritance mental, of that. So
0: why isn't mental health um, a priority in people's lives? And why is it such like it's the stigma and the and the shamefulness it, of it, right? And
1: also like the thing. The reality is. If you are ever, as somebody who deals with that, right, if you are ever like, I don't have control over my mind, forget what other people think. The trauma of knowing that you are not in control, that you are not driving the car, the the trauma of living with that knowledge, forget sharing it with anyone. That shit is a fucking burden because there is no, in my mind, there is no actual solution besides you going in there and digging it out your damn self. right? Like, I'm not saying that is the only solution, but that's what I know, to work. And the thing I, is, I that agree with shit you when is you, disgusting. Yeah, no, 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 it's the, the very is hard. It's... The thing and there is no problem. When you look at people who commit suicide, like Anthony Bourdain, like, I look at that, and I'm like, what you found out was you didn't solve the problem, and you can't live with it anymore. So as somebody who is living with it in their 20s and their 40s, to know that you still might kill yourself when you're 60 is the reality of what it is to live with mental illness, that you you may never solve it, you may die with it, you may have to kill yourself to solve it, right? That shit, forget that the rest of the world can't hear this reality, that you are living with a death sentence and that you're, like, supposed to actually function and that... You don't have necessarily the language or the understanding of how to communicate. It's taken me so long to figure out how to communicate any of this shit. And also the fact that I can sit here and not I actually mean, you- be crying because if we did this two years ago, I'd be here telling <laughs> you everything. But I'd be here crying, and I'd be like, "I'm fine, but it's okay." I just have to get because I literally, like, at this point now, I will literally, like, oh, I think see you about up. You're rolling no, up. No, no, like, no. <laughs> I will literally think about shit, and I will just cry through it. And I'm like, oh, it's actually like I'm vomiting. I have now gotten to a point where when I process Right, stuff, so you're purging this, like— It comes out as tears. But the thing is, if you don't see tears and emotions as the equivalent to actual, like, oh, I have hives or I'm vomiting or, like, something physical is okay. happening, it is—it's a fucking version of that. But the thing is, there's very little language around this, very little understanding. And it is also just incredibly terrifying to live through it and to basically— Keep going through that damn spin cycle. You think you're better. You think you're better. You're not better. You just keep fucking suffering. And th- people will say all kinds of things because they don't, they're not equipped to help. And so you're sitting there, and it's like it's a nightmare. And the reality is I, you know, I'm not one to judge, but my own personal experience has taught me don't trust no motherfucker to help you. This is what I've learned. Like, I, I will write this book and everyone will die. But when that happens, you will know why I'm telling you I can't trust no motherfucker to help me. Because huh. the reason I'm sick is motherfuckers. So I'm not like—and I'm not, and here's the thing. I'm never going to tell anyone not to trust somebody or anything like that. Right, but Because that's people your... need people. Okay. And when you are desperate and you are in, in a space where— like you're literally looking at like an illness that's going to kill you, but in a really bizarre way. <laughs> when you are living through that, you need help, and you will. You are the most vulnerable, just like someone who sure, has cancer, sure. right? Like any other illness, but these things, this where how where where is it? Where is it? You can't Right, you can't, where's the light? You can't No, but you can't it. even take a test. <laughs> Where how are oh, we gonna right, fu- right, how right. are we gonna treat this? Oh, well we'll just give you this concoction and that concoction we'll see what happens. That's how it works. Okay, look, when you are that vulnerable and in this health like it's really like why is mental health not an issue? Like why is health care not an issue? Why are we in a culture that makes people sick? Is what Marianne Williamson said during the debates where she was just sort of like – she went off on this tangent, but she was basically like talking about – we live in a culture that makes us sick because part of the function of capitalism is to break us. Hmm. Whether it breaks you mentally, whether it breaks you psychologically, whether it breaks you physically, whether it breaks your spirit, your soul, your body – whether whatever it does breaks you financially, yeah. Whatever it does, it hobbles you intentionally. It handicaps you to make you dependent to feed into the system, on the fundamental belief that it is the cure. So, there's really like it really goes back to your question of like how do we live in a capitalist society, and yet it's a really like one foot in, one foot out. You have to know the system mm-hmm. and have a healthy distrust. Not just of the system but the people in it because even people that you like are tricks, okay? And they'll be out there trying to hustle you. And they'll be telling you it's for their best interest and they'll believe it and you'll believe that they believe it. And you'll be like, oh, my God. (laughs) You know what I mean? And if you do try to broach a subject with them, you can get some pushback. Like I could sit here and tell you a lot of shit that I cannot tell people because they're not receptive. Sure. But once people are receptive, I'm like, <laughs> it'll all come out because I'm like, oh, I've been dying to share shit. Well, share. how, okay.
0: So, as a journalist, how can you quiet someone's inner voice from judgment and let them open their mind to actually hearing and thinking and then being able to be involved in like an honest discourse? I feel like discourse. Is oh, yeah. so important, but I feel sort of in um, the world we live in now that people are triggered by by fucking words. That discourse is becoming less. For instance, I, I one of the things I really admire about you, Sarah. Besides your incredible taste in uh, artists and book publishing and all that, um, is that you're a real journalist where you can feel one way about something, but you can sort of represent it on the on the other side of the spectrum? I don't
1: do that. I I'm not that person. I think you're very fair. <laughs> I'm about. I'm not. I'm not saying that
0: like you're like oh. I'm not you know, both. lollipops, they're really actually good for you. Like, not that. I'm but not. I'm saying, you, but you can look at something with a journalistic eye and see both good and bad. And then. Um, but I don't think it's
1: a journalistic eye. Like, to be honest, I'm highly subjective. I only pick things that I'm about, and I only support things, and I also, like— Right, it's very positive, right. Intentionally, and when I take shots, it's never at the person. It's through the person, like, where I'm like, oh, okay, you're writing about climate change. Good. I need to talk about this thing that's bothering me, and this is good. Oh, and then we can also get some shots at, like, you know, take some shots at the system. I can do all these things. But fundamentally, the thing is reality— is a 360 degree view. So I'm trying. I know that in this human form, I can't see it all because we're a limited creature. So I'm trying to perceive as much as I can, and I'm looking for sources. But I still, with a very subjective intention, because okay. I have a very, I have a very clear agenda about what I'm about, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing this. But going back to your question of like, it really comes down to the same thing. Like, how do you how do you save yourself? How do you heal yourself? How do you think? You first have to want it. And part of wanting it is you have to actually say, I need it. And you have to be really honest where that need's coming from. And that shit is – like when I said that, my my stomach just went – because that shit gets to your core of what is missing, where neglect exists, where abuse exists, where trauma exists, what was not done that got you misled, mis- all these things happened. And you have to be in that state of – It's not just like discomfort. That's a real nice word for it. It could be actual real pain when you really get into that discomfort. Like, okay, there's a scene in Lost. I was watching it like when it was on Hulu or something, right? And and they go to the boat and there's a big bomb and he has to like rewire the bomb. And I was like, oh, my God, that's my brain. (laughs) 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 Oh, my God. Hello, that, metaphors. Was, that, was, that was right at the outset of this <laughs> right. journey, right? And then, of course, the the boat blew up. And it was like, oh, no, <laughs> I like, can't be saved. Like, I actually did. And I really was like, I thought maybe I wouldn't. And I actually really recently reached a point where I'm like, oh, my God, I can see that the end it's over. And I can actually see the past move away from me. And I'm talking about this is like in the past month that I actually can see I'm no longer in that space. Or like attached to that. I'm just not in that. I'm not. In that space of working on that bomb anymore. That okay. thing has been dismantled. I'm in a new space where that shit still triggers in me, but I'm no longer in that. But the thing was, until I did the work, I always thought I was going to go down. And there's still new dangers, so I can't be like, I'm not going to go down. Sure. I don't know what's ahead of me, but I know that's not the danger. But the thing is, like, for people to turn around and find whatever that fucked up wired bomb is in them whether it's a small one whether it's a thing and lost what if it's a fucking nuclear reactor like because we don't really know what people are carrying and hiding okay we don't know what people have lived through and survived and had to mm, to to just fucking get up in the morning right and even if you're depressed just get up and like not kill yourself is a fucking huge deal right sure so the reality is Like for people to actually – first you have to be like – you have to be like, oh, I I actually want this. I I, I think I need this. Well, Why do I need it? And that really comes from like a fundamental – like going inward. It's an inward journey. So much of ourselves are trained to be on an outward journey and to neglect that. Right. Because – People don't have those answers because those are really answers. I, You know, again, like I could tell you all the things of like how I went on my journey. Well, don't you also feel, though, that a lot of people
0: have a lot of trouble going inward because they are distracted by technology and sort of like the brain numbing power of sort of just being like entertained by, you know what I mean, these like small, big screens, whatever it is, um, so I that think- they don't – that self-examination is not um, – you know, I always say, like, at, at work and stuff, like, I really need to, like, think about this stuff, and I never really get that opportunity because I'm just – all like, yeah. I'm at work, I'm at home with my, you know, young son, and, like, I don't get – um, the luxury of having this extra time just to think about mm-hmm. how I'm going to handle. Like, it, am I doing the right thing? Is, like, I just I have yeah. to react, and I have to do that at work all the time. Where like I, a project comes in, I don't really get to be like, what do I really think about this? I have to be like, okay, this is what we're going to do. But this is know, how we're going to okay, do. Okay,
1: so I'm going to back up. A lot of things are coping mechanisms. Okay, like when I go into the internet, I try to be very directed. And I choose things. Like, I know when I'm numbing. Okay. But I also know when I'm searching and I'm looking for answers. And I try to take that approach because it's so sustaining. And the internet has taught me everything, just about everything. It's either connected me to people who've given me these answers or given me directions, or it's like really helped me. But that's because I, it's intention. Okay. And I'm, you have to be honest when you're like, I I need to numb because sometimes you need to numb. Like, look, Absolutely. I, did this, I did this whole journey high, and now I'm sober. But it was like, I was just completely like, I, I can't be sober on this journey. You don't smoke the weeds? No, I mean, I will, but I'm not, like, smoking. You know what oh, I'm right, saying? right, And I'm not drinking. Right. But I was, like, very intentionally, like, if I'm going to be in this space, I got to be fucked up because I can't live through the sober. Okay. And then all of a sudden it snapped. And then, okay, I'm just sober. All, uh, nowhere. <laughs> you know? And it was just completely, like, that's the thing. You've got to know what the truth about when you're just coping with things, when you need to cope, when you're avoiding. Avoidance is a huge issue. Huge. And the other thing is this. While what you said was very telling because you're like, I have to. You don't have to do shit. You choose. The thing is we are actually, again, it goes down to like there's – we have so much power that we don't tap into because the one upshot of living in this weirdo capitalist system is – just like with Powerhouse, I'm willing to do this for free in order to get where I need to go. If well, you it's can like create like, mo- like money, doesn't
0: have to be the only yeah, like.
1: And, but if you can create a basic baseline of stability. You have the power to empower yourself if you choose that that is your priority, but you have to make it a priority. Right. What you say I have to is really just a statement of my priorities are. Money. <laughs> like, I have to do this because I
0: want money and, like, I'm under deadline and it's, like, but, it's for capitalism.
1: Right. And the thing is, I made a choice where I was like, uh, yeah, I was I was doing money and status and then I just, like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to take a big L in that area and I'm going to go because I need, I need health. And I basically... Prioritized health above all things for the rest of my life. Can you have money and status and health? I don't want any of that shit. I want a baseline and I want health. I don't like. You can only serve one master. Okay, so fair enough. Because that's what I, that's what I I agree with you. Choose wisely, and mine is health. And health is not fhi- health is wealth, honey. But yeah, it's true. <laughs> but physical, mental, spiritual, financial health. Like every right. health is every like. How do you move through the world? Is you could be healthy or unhealthy. Mm. So all I want is it's not like what it's how it's and it's like not like I'm living that all the time, but it's the intention of like that is my dedication, and I'm basically focusing on changing what I have to do. And I'm like I it's not that I don't have those moments where I have to have to, but when that happens, I get so triggered that I'm like this is making me feel sick. Oh, okay, I have to reevaluate why I'm choosing an unhealthy response. Two things. And that's a whole, it's a reconditioning. It's a repatterning of, but, and, it's, and it's a priority. And I chose it as a priority because I knew I would fucking, this would kill me. And I was like, I really don't want to die with this. I'll die with something else, but I don't want to die with this. And I will die, you know, I'll do this and die trying. Like, the get healthier, die trying. Because I mean, we all it. die. We all die. Yeah. Everyone's going to die. And I just die. was like, I want to go out on my terms. Good. I don't want to go out on terms other people gave me. So well, I totally get it. You have, as as a fully functioning adult, no matter what your responsibilities are, you have the ability to set the priority for yourself, everyone down. That's the pimp role. Right. Like that's the thing at the end of the day. When you position that you're the shot caller— Everyone else lines up, but you got to go into. You still got to call
0: the shots. It's annoying.
1: You know what I mean? Like I'm just. I'm. But it it becomes less annoying when you like the shots you're calling because it's coming from a place that's authentic and healthy. It like it is annoying, yes, but the more you move away from the annoying things, right? The things that are annoying are fundamentally unhealthy. I'm gonna call it. I'm
0: gonna call it goddess energy instead of pimp.
1: (laughs) Do whatever you like, girl. (laughs) Whatever makes you. Gotta
0: use the words that work. You know, but yes, I um, you know, or like the 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 mother energy, like the you know, it's, sort of yeah,
1: no, but like I'm just I don't use these words for myself. No, I I'm know, just using, but I mean, I mean, but really, basically change that over here. It's the same shit. It really yeah. is like but, just. But the words words are important because words are part of how you identify and perceive yourself, and it work. It's what works. I don't use any of these words for myself. I'm just using them because I'm like oh, this is a functional. So you, so
0: you think that there are these like specific roles for people. Some people are leaders and some people are followers and like followers can never be leaders. Everyone has leaders no. can never be followers. And like how does that? You, like, true if followers. You're, if you're the
1: pimp. No. Like can you ever not pimp? Like, do you know what I mean? In this system, because I'm talking about that as a capitalist system. Right, no, I know. We can completely say that that's capitalist and step aside because there's something larger than capitalism, which is, I think, what you're getting at, which is leaving that paradigm It's just a paradigm. right? Most people stay in a small world. We don't have to stay in that little micro world. We can completely disregard that and be like, "Let's let's change the paradigm, leaders and followers. So basically, a true leader is somebody who sees what the people need. And gives it to them and helps facilitate it, for sure. So ultimately, it's a, it's a dialectic between. It's a yin-yang. It's a Tao flow. It's not a, like, one-sided hierarchy. This idea of a binary, of a line instead of a circle, is—that's how you break things, because it's false. Correct. So it's r- rigid. The thing, and but right. yes, there are people who are dominant, and there are people who are submissive. There are people who— are aggressive there are people who are passive there are people who are both switches you know what i mean i agree with you discourse is life <laughs> sarah
0: what are you working on that we oh. <laughs> should
1: keep our eyes
0: out for oh. or how do we how do we stay abreast of all of your musings oh, in Lord. written
1: form MissRosen.com? Yeah, MissRosen.com. That's it.
0: M I S S R O S E N. Miss Rosen on, on Instagram? Yeah, or Miss so, yeah. uh, Once in a while, she blesses you with a post. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always well written and always very thoughtful. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of yours, Sarah.
1: Right. Both back personally at you.
0: and professionally. Woo. And um, thank you so much for joining us and blessing us this morning with all of your. Thoughts and, and um, observations, and I'm really going to take some time to think about this. <laughs> Thank you, girl. This is fun.
1: Yay.
0: Um, right. My God, I really love talking to Sarah. I could really just like talk to her all day. Her ideas are, are so refreshing.
2: She's so smart and so like smart on point,
0: and um, one of those people
2: that makes me feel like I'm not thinking fast enough.
0: I think she really <laughs> thinks about stuff all the time. Like she just sits around thinking. I think that's what writers do.
2: I guess so. It's good for you. I thought I did that, but my thoughts don't make any sense.
0: I, you know, I I think a lot too, but then um I make a meme and all I forget it's everything. Gone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if you want to keep up with Sarah Rosen, check out her website where she publishes all of her articles, missrosen.com. She's also on Instagram, I think, where she gives a little teaser about the stuff she's working on, Miss Rosen Editions on Instagram. Nice. Um, Shout out to Arielle Franklin, our junior producer. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Shout out. To Brad Worrell, our <laughs> real producer, sound engineer, and partner in this podcast. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Where do we, where do we find you, Brad? Soundwag.com?
2: Yeah, you can check that out at BradWorld Oh, Brad Worrell. I'm trying to figure Brad out what World my presence is
0: <laughs> <laughs> World. That's what I need
2: to get. Oh, there you go. Yeah, World World is good. Um, we forgot the prop bubbles last time. Oh
0: my God. Tunes by Bubbles NYC.
2: Love it. Love the bubbles. Love the bubs. Um, and Claw and Co.
0: And Claw, right. Um, find us online at clawandco.com. Check out our Patreon where you can get some clawandco.com merch for being a patron of the show. We need lots of love and support from you guys.
2: Can't hurt. <laughs> if you want us to keep doing it,
0: can't right? If you like it, support because uh we got people to pay to work on this. Okay? <laughs> we'll see you soon. Ciao. Ciao Bella. Ah, ciao Bella. Andiamo. <laughs>